We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And in yesterday's episode, we had a very spirited discussion about the starting lineup, but most of it began to kind of revolve around the idea of maximizing Russell Westbrook. This has been something that I've been really big on over the course of the offseason, is that if you acquire someone like Russell Westbrook, who has very clear strengths and very clear weaknesses, you have to really cater to those strengths and really hide those weaknesses and some of what we're doing now is is actually accentuating some of Russ's weaknesses or at least in in the first game and under the current circumstances but toward the end and I don't want to spoil the episode so please listen to it if you haven't but Darius brought up that well Russell Westbrook has to play better we could talk about the outside environment and all of that but a star player is a star player so I've been thinking the, about the idea of, like, what can Russell Westbrook do, even even before you brought that up, right? Like, what can Russell Westbrook do better? Because like you said, we're not playing two bigs on the floor for freaking 48 minutes. Not every play is a half-court set where everything's clogged up. There are opportunities for Russell Westbrook to be the guy that he's always been, which is that guy who's at the center of the frame, a, a phrase that you always say. I see a guy who's trying to fit in. And nobody is less of someone who fits in. Like, it, it, like Russell Westbrook stands out. He doesn't fit in. He stands out. And so that idea of fitting in is so antithetical to who he is that I think that that is kind of ground zero. I'm sorry. <laughs> Russ showed up rocking the most Russell Westbrook outfit ever. Uh-huh. No, this dude does not need to fit in. He's never trying to fit in. He's he's definitely no, trying to fit in on the court. That's what right? I mean. And that but, ain't him, man. No, he needs to. So look, there are there are tactical things that I think the Lakers could do, right? We've talked about a lot of those. One of the things, one of the tactical things that I think that they should do more of is forget like the big versus not big lining up. In the lineups where the Lakers are playing two bigs, like sometimes Russ is just going to have to be like, 
those are those eat your vegetables moments. We've yeah, we talked about like this. Kick like, ass on defense for yeah, like th- three you, minutes before like, the spacing gets better. Right. Look, LeBron and AD face cramped floors too when there's another big big on the floor. They hit one or two more jumpers. They draw one or two more fouls. They get into the post a little bit more. They they headhunt another another isolation chance against uh a more advantageous matchup. They, they work the margins, right? And Russ is going to need to do a little bit more of that. And in those matchups, he's going to have to win a little bit more. He didn't win at all. Barely like against the Warriors. There were times where he had Jordan Poole on him. He went to the basket. He drew a charging foul or Damian Lee, right? These are matchups. He needs to win. He's Russell Westbrook. He's a better player than these dudes. Go get something. Right. But there are other times where I just feel like, look, man, like maybe he shouldn't be off the ball as much. You're in the game with Rajon Rondo. LeBron James is not on the floor. I know that Rondo and AD have a great connection. And I wrote about this at Silver Screen and Roll that Rondo should probably play or he's making the case to play a little bit more, maybe solely off of the fact that he is going to get AD going a little bit. But one of the key attributes that we hope to get out of Russell Westbrook is that he's going to get AD going too, right? And so maybe it should be Russell Westbrook who's controlling half court possessions and not Rajon Rondo. So there are little things within the context of like, no, be a little bit more demanding, be a little bit more like, no, this is mine, right? Like you traded for me. I'm the third highest paid player in the league. It's time to go get it. I'm going to eat. There's superstar players that no matter where they go, it's like they're going to eat. They're going to eat first. Like the old, I I think it was the Chris Rock skit, like they're going to get the big piece of chicken, right, when they come home for dinner. And like Russell Westbrook has pretty much everywhere that he's gone, he's been the dude who's getting the big piece of chicken. Like he is... he is that guy. And now he looks across the table and he's like, oh, shit, there's LeBron James. There's mm-hmm. Anthony Davis. Like, is there enough big pieces of chicken to go around? Maybe this time I'll take a wing. Let me stop you at there's LeBron James for a second. You guys probably saw this on Twitter. And so I won't quiz you. But LeBron took 17 jump shots in that game. 17 now, I love LeBron shooting more threes, but like 17 jumpers. And by the way, the fadeaway looks great right now. He was hitting it all preseason. He's hitting in practices that I saw. So that's great. But mm-hmm. we've talked about LeBron. We had the whole pot about LeBron. And LeBron is the ultimate, can shift to how you need him to shift. And this is where in the last pot I mentioned again that LeBron being aggressive and shooting was working Pretty well, certainly individually, but within the scope of the game, like the Lakers had some level of control for for, you know, good stretches of that game, uh, especially late in the yep. third quarter. And so and it was so that was what was working. LeBron was taking what the defense was giving him. And so within that structure, Russ is not Russ is not going to be able to do that much. Um and maybe that's maybe that's playing into the the opposite of what you guys just said. Like, then he's got to make something happen. But I think LeBron can, and they're going to go watch the film. They already have. LeBron's going to notice some of these things. And he's going to make sure that Russ is in better spots. And maybe he's taking a f- some fewer jump shots. Maybe he's putting more pressure on the rim and kicking out so that Russ can attack on the other side. Like, there's so much stuff that they can do. And why it's always important not to just overreact to game one. But 
that I just think LeBron's role in how that went is is significant. He certainly plays a big role, but there's a certain indomitability to any star player. And while Russ isn't in that upper superstar tier that LeBron James and Anthony Davis occupy, he is a star. And there is something so like basketball. One of the beauties of basketball, D, is that like it is so intricate, but it is also so very simple. When one of my favorite parts and recurring themes of the show is Mike saying, we have LeBron James and Anthony Davis because it's such a simple phrase, but it means so much. And when you've got the dudes out there that it's there's there's no denying them. And Russell Westbrook has been undeniable. One of the things that we haven't talked about, though, is that like that idea of deferring to LeBron James, that might not entirely be a positive thing. And it's certainly going to take some figuring out in the first place. There is going to be a natural push and pull between two lead ball handler types and how to divvy up possessions and how to orchestrate successful teamwork and a successful partnership. And this is where a lot of the we're going to have to figure it out quotes have basically come from this this year. Now, Vogel's probably thinking those figured out quotes need to be about the damn defense, right? Because they have some figuring out to do on <laughs> absolutely on that side <laughs> of the ball too. But offensively, there that push and pull has mostly been towards LeBron. So go back so many pods ago, and we had sort of talked about sacrifices that the that each of these sort of big three players are going to have to make. And and I've written about this as well. And one of the things I said about LeBron and the sacrifices that he was going to need to make is he was going to have to do more big man things, right? He was going to have to set more screens and, and be more of a interior player at yes. times, right? And this is and, part of why I'm I'm so adamant about us going small is I yes. think that both LeBron and Russell Westbrook bring some of the attributes of five and big manness in it's unique to them, right? But yes. like they bring that in a way that like you're not losing as much when you do that. Anyway, I, I digress. No, no it, it, this is an important part of the conversation because that is totally true and it's why the sort of incompleteness or vacancy that exists on on this roster right now, as particularly with Ariza and THT Hurt, is so irksome to me. It's because those are the dudes who help facilitate LeBron and Russ and AD to a certain extent to be able to go more in that direction. Like, I've talked about this offline, well, with you, Pete, but the archetype of the player that I'm talking about here is, and I think I mentioned it the other night, was was Shane Battier with the heat, right? Sort of that dude that is just giving up his body and doing all of the dirty work all of the time. And it's just like, oh, I need to go guard the 275-pound guy so that LeBron can go do this other thing. And I got to get elbowed in the face a couple of times. (laughs) And now I've got a big gash over my eye because some dude came down with an elbow and I'm in the paint mixing it up when really I'm a small forward. Right. And that guy, and that guy might play 34 minutes with six points and three rebounds and one assist and be super important to you winning that game. There's no glory. Not only is there no glory in that, but there is a pounding and a physicality that you need to bring and a mental toughness that you need to bring. And 
the idea of that player, that guy's just absent right now. There are other players who do that sort of thing, like mainly Dwight Howard. You need a 6-6 version of Dwight Howard. You need a Lou Dort, someone who is just going to mix it up in there to allow these other dudes to be like, no, I get to run free and I get to like go and chase the ball and I get to do all of these things that enhance what made me a star in the first place, right? Like Russell Westbrook has not been a superstar and now a star in this league because he shoots like Kevin Durant or he's got the footwork of of and handle of Kyrie Irving or he's got all of this like like flash and pizzazz that you get from like or or even like this technical skill that James Harden has. No, he's been a star in this league because he's basically been a guard version of Giannis. Right? Like this dude that's just like no, you cannot stop me physically. And getting back to that for him is important. It's and it's what the Lakers need to veer towards for or what Russ needs to veer towards and sort of bring the team along with him to a certain extent. And so this idea of fitting in, there needs to be some of that, of course, but I'd prefer that he fit in defensively. Well, I I brought up LeBron and I should have continued the context to get to AD because I brought up LeBron's jump shooting, right? Well, AD took even more shots than LeBron. Um, He took 26 shots overall. And when we think about the basic, the way that three stars together have worked in the past, it almost inevitably, one of them is a shooter. Or like one of them, that is the spot. And if you look at Cleveland, for example, with LeBron, uh, Kyrie, and Kevin Love, both those guys could just sit off the ball and shoot and let LeBron go to work. And if you look at Miami, it was rocky early because Chris Bosh had yet to just get out and go shoot and basically space and rebound and become a great role player. Bosh just, he just had to do it. That was what he was going to have to do. If they were going to win, he did it. They started to win because Wade and LeBron weren't going to be able to just do, one of them wasn't going to be able to do that at a high level. Go back to, you know, the 80s, it's a little bit of a different game, so I'm not gonna. We don't have to bring in get you guys to to um, wax poetic about the Showtime Lakers, but these recent models like Golden State, right? All three guys could sit there and shoot, could sit off the ball, still be devastating, and that is the inherent fit question that remains. And so when we say, well, Russ has just got to go be himself, well, he, I don't know how he can be himself in the context that they have yet to get to, that they probably will by game 50. You know, when when Vogel's probably got in his mind, like of, of what the kind of lineups could be, and maybe they have to make a trade to get to it, but it's not as obvious, um, even though Pete's been ahead of the game, I think, trying to get the Lakers to that point right, right now. But I, it's just hard for me to see, unless LeBron or AD really want to just get out and kind of shoot and not be that aggressive, that that Russ can um, have can like just be himself uh, and and find that same kind of player. The fact that it isn't natural, a natural fit of a trio, like is part of what's so great about LeBron and AD is while they are both shapeshifters who can kind of do everything, they also, they can be great on the same play. And one of the things that will be difficult to navigate and speaks to this idea of adding Russell Westbrook to the mix, one of the things that I noticed on tape from rewatching the first game is that 
even beyond my, you know, gripes about two big lineups and things like that, even if we are going small, Russell Westbrook will complicate and reduce the production of the LeBron and AD pick and roll. Now, that's something that they have not run as much as we thought when they first acquired Anthony Davis. Part of it is the spacing issues of playing two bigs. That, And again, I think playing two bigs in the past totally made sense. But it's something that, Darius, that the idea of three players that they do not have a shooter amongst them, to me, is a big foundation of my argument that it's exactly. It is not natural. It is something that, and if you do not account for that in how you do other things in your personnel, in your spacing and all of that, that will be problematic. If you can turn LeBron, Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook into jump shooters as a collective, which I think is what the two big lineup does. That's why like, I totally get the idea of going like if we go small, we don't have that four that's been bothering you, right? And that means Avery Bradley playing the three. That's part of the reason why, like, I know that's not great. I know that's not ideal yeah. at all. I just think that it's so far skewed that way that even that is better than because then you are playing into the biggest weakness that all three share, which is as jump shooters. So the volume of jump shoot shots that those three take is something that I think, Mike, we should continue to keep an eye on. So, yeah, D, that's something that is really on my mind is how I, I think we have to account for it. That's definitely true. The interesting thing to me is all of this can still be true and there could still be an, other solutions that are actually just as important, even if they're during a smaller portion of the game. Let me kick it to break and let's get into some of those because you brought up something about the power aspects of Russell Westbrook's game and the ability to dominate the guy across from him that I think is super important. That is the foundation of what you're talking about here. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So like you said in the first segment, D, like Russell Westbrook is a power guard. He's somebody that, similar to Giannis, the physical unstoppability rel relative to the guy across from him. He's not as big of a person, but for a guy who can handle the ball that is a point guard, he's about as big as they come and definitely as powerful as they come. What are some of the ways under the current circumstances, all of that, that Russell Westbrook can get himself going as a power guard to contribute regardless of the surrounding circumstances? This is the interesting part to me is I'm just as, I don't want to say concerned, but invested in 
all of the other Russell Westbrook lineups that he's going to play in because all of them are just as important as the starting lineup that we've been discussing. Great point. Yeah. And so the lineups that lost the game, there was the lineup that played in the final two minutes of the first quarter and the final two minutes of the third quarter. Those groups literally played, I think four minutes and nine seconds together. And it was the Russ Rondo monk mellow and AD. Those groups were minus 13 in like four minutes and nine seconds. Those groups essentially lost the game. But like, if you told me beforehand, like we're going to put that lineup out there. What's well, you would be have the said, result of that? You, you would know? have said they are going to lose the game. We guys, we talked, we texted about it in the first quarter. Yes. When they went and to, we uh, basically, was, I, I think I literally said like, don't love this group. You're like, uh oh, right? Because it was <laughs> it was AD and four poor defenders, and you guys, you know, were I think we did that same thing, like where we all tweet the same thing at the same time, right? Which yeah, is usually yeah, yes. the obvious point, but still, uh, <laughs> yeah, that that happened. So we we kind of knew that, but it, it gets back to the whole thing, Darius. Like, of they there weren't a lot of amazing options, but given there, what the there, game plan was, but still, that that wasn't it. There currently are not a lot of amazing options. That said, within the context of those lineups, I do think there needs to be a shift towards Russ. And it's something I said in the first half of the pod. And so one of the things that I want to try to do for him is screen for him more on and off the ball, get him into more advantageous matchups more often. He went into the post against Steph Mm -hmm. and he did that once and AD dove for a layup because Russ started to back down Steph a little bit and suddenly the defense is just like, well, this isn't what we want, right? We don't want him eight feet from the basket, especially backing a guy down. It's one thing when the geometry of the court is what it is and teams want Russell Westbrook 30 feet from the basket and then trying to funnel him to a certain spot on the floor in order to shoot. And even if he drives all the way to the rim, if you are steering him a certain way, the defense is going to be like, that's not ideal, but we will live with that. What they don't want to live with is when he's running free or suddenly he's backing you down and it's just like, okay, well, our instincts are saying it's time to show a little bit more help here. It's time to help a little bit more. I do think that even within the context of what some of these lineups are, Russ needs to take more command of things because he is the alpha in some of these, these groups, even if he's on the court with Anthony Davis, like it needs to be him who is the guy who is just like, no, things are going to run through me here a little bit more. And I'm going to incorporate AD, but, but it's still like, I'm the guy with the ball. I am the head of the snake. I want to just emphasize a point, and this is, I feel like, what I try to do half the time I'm on this pod because you guys make so many good ones, and to try to dumb it down for myself. There, Russell Westbrook, we always talk about how it takes him, you guys are both looking at me weird. Um, that wasn't eloquent. You're the way always that I said like self self deprecating, man. Like, you've been closer to basketball for now, and, but, NBA but, basketball yes, for longer than as a, like, as a reporter and analyst to an extent, right? But you, like, you guys are the coaches, okay? So th- that's what that's what I'm I saying. Guess. That's I guess I mean, like I coach. There's like, a difference. There's a different level. Like, I know there's I talk to these coaches all the time. There is a little bit differently. Like, you guys, you guys are from the coaching perspective. So I will always be uh, I will always defer in that context. But the way you were just talking about Ross Darius, 
it's why it takes him a little while to get go because he is so unique. Great point. He is so like it's not you, you haven't played with somebody like him before. You just haven't. So you don't know teams don't know what to do just yet. In OKC, he didn't have a great rookie year in terms of like efficiency and all that, but but they just kept playing him and his athleticism and the force of nature, but like just go look at like the shooting splits there, you know. But eventually KD figured out how to play with him and KD's great alongside anybody in Harden. So that's kind of what the point is. And we're really, really, and they've been telling us, LeBron's been telling us, Vogel's been telling us, AD's been telling us, Russ has been telling us, but it really does take some time um, to try to sort all this stuff out and tr- to try to fit around him. So again, obvious point, but all of the things that you were just saying, Darius, I think that that's what's been the experience with him. That's, and that's going to be part of it, right? Like that this, we are in the midst of that. I want to go, I think one of the places though where that can happen is those end of first quarter, end of third quarter lineups. We've got the game tonight against Phoenix and I would much rather Reeves play than Rondo, not as a matter of, you know, career accolades or anything, but just skill set. Reeves can shoot. When So when you talk about that idea of Russ dominant, being able to dominate and that the other lineups are just as important to you, Darius, yeah, as the starters. Yes. Like, it's important to me that he doesn't play next to Rajon Rondo again, right? Yes. And that in those lineups that, because it's those, all none of those lineups same. have worked. None of those lineups have worked, Pete, even dating back to the preseason. And and the the point being, the underlying point is that Russell Westbrook is not a good shooter. So if you have another person on the court that you can pull significant like significant gravity away from that's going to be really problematic for the entirety of that group. So every other guy, and it's not a, 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 like if you put Rondo with a different group, it's a Rondo or Westbrook thing, but them together isn't going to work. This is where I am with, with all of it. I'm fine with Rondo playing. I'd had, it's so funny. It's so funny to sort of be here with Rondo at this point. It's just where, it's like I'm actually saying put him with LeBron. Yes. When when originally <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> when originally that was totally like like no what are you, you can't doing play you can't like play you, with LeBron right <laughs> that's so true <laughs> but they have figured it out. I mean it still has weaknesses you know like it's yes. still not ideal but it's certainly better than him and Westbrook. It still does. I'm trying to get to a point with Russ where. I'm trying to discern between how much of it uh, is environmental context and how much of it is sort of Russ not quite being there yet in the ways that pretty much longtime followers of him have stated that we should be prepared for at this stage of the season, right? And, And so a part of me does not want to butt my head up against a wall saying let's make his environment perfect if he's just going to go and be like oh well guess what i'm still not gonna play that great right now there's a benefit of getting to this stuff early and building the right habits and and this is a i think a theme i'm going to talk about for a lot of this at least this early part of the season but the flip side is is like it is still important mike that this team wins games they have to find ways to win the game. And you've, you've got a young kid right now, and you've got twin boys. I'm raising two young girls. And there's plenty of times where I made their environment perfect. 
Like, look, your bed's all set up exactly the way it needs to be. Here's your stuffed animals. Here's your blanket. Here's your nightlight. We're going to read to you beforehand. And then sometimes that worked. My kid went right to sleep. Everything was fantastic. And other times it was just like, why are you out here? right now we put you to bed 20 minutes ago go back to bed <laughs> right and then 20 minutes later later it's just like wait why are you out here again you really can't come out again you need to go back to bed right and so there are sometimes where everything can be perfect and it's still not going to work out and that's just a life lesson that's not me comparing russell westbrook to a toddler it's just that sometimes you don't have it i want to keep the main thing the main thing and in this case, is the main thing winning games or is the main thing making sure that Russ is playing in, in a perfect environment? Maybe it's a little bit of both. Yes we no. ain't doing either of them right now. We're not. <laughs> We're not. And so maybe doing the latter will facilitate the former. Well, right. And I, yeah. th- maybe that's your argument, Pete. Yeah, but but they 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 could have won that game um, if in a couple of different ways, even while not suiting Russ. But Another to, to speak about the Phoenix game a little bit to tie it to tie this in. This is not a great matchup. This is another team that you just saw twice uh, in the preseason, and you they know exactly how to play against the Lakers. What the game plan is, they have the they have the same exact roster, right, with the exception of of like Abdel Nader um, playing rotation minutes off the bench, and the Lakers they are well aware that the Lakers are just figuring it out on the fly, and so it's. In when we looked at the schedule and we're like, yeah, it's going to be soft over the first 15 games, but those first two are going to be tough. I think they became even tougher after you saw them in the preseason um, and and they got at least a little bit of a sense of what the Lakers were going to do, whereas the Lakers already know what the Suns and the Warriors are going to do. Right they're And they're they're not advanced enough with their game plans to be able to do the type of stuff that Vogel was great at in the postseason series, especially to take some stuff away. So they, they really are at a disadvantage. Um, and this continuity disadvantage, the way to beat that is LeBron and Russ, excuse me, LeBron and AD play great. And it almost worked up until the point where there were so many disconnection points, plus Russ, right. Really struggling for the, the variety of reasons that we've mentioned. And so I'm, I fear we're going to have to have some parts of the same conversation uh, as as they sort of keep building and keep trying to figure some stuff out, but there is there is a formula for winning while you're struggling with all that stuff, and it is by having two of the ten best players in the NBA um, on both sides of the floor and them just figuring it out, uh, which which you know didn't work in the first game. I think Mike has made a very interesting point here. I will be interested in seeing what the leverage point is that Vogel wants to press with this specific team. Like Anthony Davis can kick Jay Crowder's ass Mm -hmm. and trying to leverage that specific matchup is a super interesting pivot point for this game for me, because that bumps right up against the idea of trying to optimize Russ. Right. And where Russ is in the pecking order within the context of how you actually win a basketball game within within the larger idea of we have three stars. Right. And and so I would actually like to see like a bigger player bang up against DeAndre Ayton sometimes to get 
Crowder matched up against Anthony Davis in order to allow LeBron James to maybe eat innings against a Mikhail Bridges and for Russ potentially to be able to say, you know what, maybe I am going to guard Devin Booker. Maybe I am going to go heads up with him so that the Lakers can put Bazemore on Chris Paul and you basically go strength on strength and say, no, we're here too. We're a physical team, just like y'all want to be a physical team, and we're going to take it to y'all. I'd love to see some Dwight on Aiton minutes and try to frustrate him a little bit. I'd love to see them say, no, we're not backing down from you. Continuity be damned, and we're going to try to attack you in ways where we leverage our strength advantages and physicality advantages in the same way that Milwaukee just did to beat them for the championship and in the same way the Lakers were on their way to doing in the first round before Anthony Davis got hurt. So tell me where your head is at around this matchup with the Suns specifically tonight, Pete. I I think that idea of physicality, and I want to start with Russ being a power guard and how that can manifest itself. When I was you know, going through my different scenarios of what does it mean to have Russell Westbrook on the team, especially come playoff time when all of this is is going to matter. And certainly we got a lot of work before, before then. But uh, in a playoff series, seeing DeAndre Ayton's physicality be particularly difficult. Now, if we were playing Phoenix in a series, I may be inclined to start Dwight even considering our yeah. issue, right? Me too. Like, Me too. And, and that, the, of as bad as the preseason was, there was a glorious 14 to nothing run with Dwight Howard at the five and Anthony, Anthony Davis, Davis at, the four, at the four and DeAndre Ayton on the court. And there's this great play where they got a shot clock violation, I think. But Ayton bounced off of those two guys, Mike. And to me, this is if the two big lineup, whether it's DJ and AD or AD and Dwight, or like, cause one of the things that bothered me about that Golden State game are possessions where like Draymond Green is driving to the basket and lobs it over DeAndre Jordan, who does not jump to Kavon Looney, who lays it in on the other side of the basket. It's like, well, if we're playing two bigs, the, the whole argument is to be able to take that play away. Is that like, you do not get that. Right, because we know it's difficult to close out to Steph Curry and Jordan Poole and all them dudes on the perimeter. This game against Phoenix, though, you know, we could see some no roller behind coverage from DeAndre Jordan, easily his best defensive matchup. And then with Russ, that idea of let's not give up nine offensive rebounds to DeAndre Ayton, even when we do go small with eighty at the five, because we will do that plenty. Go cl- I want to see DeAndre. Uh, I want to go see. I want to see Russell Westbrook climb up DeAndre Ayton's back for like. Two, three defensive rebounds that yep. he would have otherwise or, been or offensive tip rebounds. Tip or tip it away. All tip that, it away right? and get then us right the into running. Get us the ball and let's go. Make it and run the floor. Well, Phoenix got beat in the finals basically by our whole bigger, stronger, faster uh, model by the Bucks, And Giannis just really wearing them down and eventually just getting to the rim. Aiton couldn't do anything about it. And I don't think we're going to we're going to get that level like in game two of the regular season of LeBron or AD uh, just with especially as they're trying to no doubt think about how to get Russ more engaged. Like there's just no question that that's what they're working on, at least to some degree in practice. And so how much of a problem can Russ be for Phoenix? Because Aiden is actually pretty good at that. Right. He is pretty good at walling off the rim. He is. If you're not Le- Giannis or LeBron or AD size, then Aiden can probably handle you. So that's a tough matchup on the one hand. And then on the other, Chris Paul 
is not the kind of guy that you want to see when you're still figuring out what your defensive coverages are and you're still figuring out <laughs> what your yeah. defensive rotations are. So that's where the, that like that Devin Booker too, for a different reason. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's right. So I, so to start the game, I think the Lakers will be fine, but once they get into that bench rotation, that to me is going to be tricky uh, in how they can handle Phoenix and how, and so I would, I would almost really want to match Chris Paul's 32, 33 minutes with Bazemore to an extent. So at least yes. Baze is on the court. Love so, it. So you know mm-hmm. that he's going to be he's going to be aware of a lot of those things. And LeBron, by the way, uh, defensively. And then camp because what campaign wants to do is either shoot threes or get all the way to, to the rim and finish. He's not really going to dissect you as much in that middle part um, of of the area. And Booker, by the way, struggled uh, in the opener against Denver like Booker is is still he didn't play you know the first couple weeks of training camp he had the COVID absence thing or or, uh, I I shouldn't say the COVID absence I'd have to double check what it was but he wasn't there for a little while so yeah those things Pete worry me um as for the Lakers and then can they are LeBron and AD going to be able to get downhill enough in this kind of game to make up for it on the other end to me this is an Anthony Davis game as much as we just spent a whole pod talking about Russ fitting in and LeBron's quote about fitting in versus fitting out, this is still an Anthony Davis game. And Anthony Davis is a difference maker against the Phoenix Suns team. If mm-hmm. LeBron can obviously play great, Russ can have one one of those nights where it's just like, oh, look at Russell Westbrook, 20 points, 15 assists, right? Like he's always capable of, of a night like that. I don't necessarily expect that, but if it comes great, for me, though, it, it's it's more can AD exert his will and can he play with force? Because if he does, the Suns can be in trouble. That's just how it goes. So that's where I'm at with this one. Yeah, should be fun. We got the Suns tonight and then the Memphis Grizzlies on Sunday. We'll be back on Monday to cover how everything went. Hopefully we can get a, a win on at least one of these. Uh, but until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot, the an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, two one. Missed it. Right. Unbelievable. Oh, it's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers.
the Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.